Welcome to the Jill on Money Coronavirus Market Update. It is Tuesday, July 28th. I cannot believe it's the end of July, but here we are. We are trying to figure out how to get you through this crazy time in the markets, in the economy. Uh, The path of markets and the economy seem to be diverging. I'm always amazed at at all of the questions that we get from you. I am so delighted that you feel like you want to be part of this family and we never take it for granted. I just want you to know that. We just don't. So thank you so much. Oh, and thanks for everyone who wished Mark a happy birthday over the weekend because it was his birthday. We got some emails from you. If you do have a financial question, send us an email. It's askjill at jillonmoney.com. Askjill at jillonmoney.com. Dan writes, I've enjoyed the podcast for a few months now, and I have a question about my in-laws' finances. I've been helping them with taxes for the last couple of years, and I know this year they can forego their required minimum distribution. My question is, should they take it in 2020 anyway or skip it? I feel like they shouldn't. It's a no-brainer if they don't need the money, or are there other factors I'm not considering? They're in their 90s. They've got five children. They've got about $680,000 in their IRA accounts. So I think the distribution's pretty high, 74 grand. They've got another $1.4 million in taxable accounts. So they don't need the distribution. They don't need the money. Their total income in 2019 was 120000 which included... 65,000 of their required minimum distribution, 25 grand of the social security. Taxable income ended up around $85,000. You know there's okay, I have of two minds of this, okay? I think in normal circumstances I would say, "Eh, forget it. Don't take the money." But here's my feeling. I know that they don't need the money, and I know paying taxes is really no fun. It's the fact that they're in their 90s. If they can wait and not take the money, it's better. On the other hand, if they were to take it and they stay in, say, that money's taxed at the 22% tax bracket, maybe that's better. And I'll tell you why. I wonder if their five children are in higher tax brackets than they are. That's the thing that's kind of interesting. So this is money that the five kids are all going to inherit. The five kids will have to pay tax on it when they pull the money out of these accounts. I mean, look, it doesn't matter either way, really. I I really don't think it's going to be a huge issue, but I will say this. There is a case to be made for pulling the money out for them, paying their tax at the 22% bracket, and continuing onward. It's almost as if you're doing a tax arbitrage. All right. Uh, If they don't take the redistribution, then that's not a big deal. You ask about the estimated taxes. If they don't do the the required minimum distribution, you can just essentially pay slightly less. You know, you would basically withhold a little bit less for their estimated taxes for 2020. I would pay a little bit. I would maybe make the quarterlies. uh, If you don't take the distribution, I would probably make the quarterly estimates of, say, a quarter of what they did in 2019. Hope that helps. Okay. Ben writes, I found your podcast after I read The Broke Millennial and I've been hooked. My question, how much of my extra cash should I use to pay off student loan debt? How much should I invest? And where do I invest it? I'm 28. I've got an emergency fund set. I've got a 401k and a Roth IRA. I'm working on setting up regular contributions after being unemployed for a few months due to the pandemic. I also have 
$100,000 in federal and private student loans from our wonderful educational system. The federal loans are currently 0%. Remember, guys, it's 0% interest until September 30th. The rates on my private loans are low. They range from 25 to 3.5%. Now that I've got income again and some extra cash on hand, how much should I put towards extra payments on my loans? How much should I put in my investment portfolio? You didn't mention whether you have a 401k that has a matching component. If you have enough money to put into that 401k and get a match, put that much in, usually 5 or 6%. I think that what I would do is if you don't have a match, I might, and you didn't mention how much you're earning right now, then I might put, say, half of the money in a Roth IRA and the other half paying down the 3.5% debt. In terms of your allocation, you have about a 70-30 split between stocks and bonds. That's fine. I mean, I would just look at a large cap index and a bond index and call it a day. That's really where where I would start. Uh, He also put in a large cap index, an international, a small cap, and real estate in addition to the bond. I would just really to start, I would just do the US large cap or an extended market index and a bond index. And that's that. And that would be perfect. I think you'll be in good shape. Thanks for writing, Ben, and really appreciate that you're a new listener. So very psyched about that. Next comes from Kathy, who writes, we owe about $23,000 on our house. We pay uh, interest rate 3.99%. I also have a condo and we owe about 38,000. The interest rate is two and a quarter percent. It's all through the same credit union. We can't write off interest any longer on our home. Does it make sense to combine the amounts owe and owe 61,000 at two and a quarter and then we can write off the interest from our condo? We earn about $120,000 a year, 15 grand in rental income. Husband collects social security at $26,000 a year. I'm 57. He is 66. He does not want to retire until he's in his 70s. Hmm. I wonder why he collected social security. You can go look at um, a refi in terms of the second home or even just using that amount, basically extending the home equity line of credit, using that money and paying off that primary. But you know, if you don't pay off the loan in a reasonable amount of time, that interest rate could rise because uh, I presume it's variable. But yeah, it's fine. You could do that because you know, at this point, using the money in terms of having the debt associated with your rental property allows you to deduct that as an expense. That seems fine to me. Just know, be careful, okay? Just be careful on that because rates on those home equity lines of credit are usually variable. Great when rates are low, not so good when rates rise, but hopefully you'll get that paid off before rates ever go up again. David writes, I'm single and retired, and I'm considering moving into a retirement community. Do I have any tax benefits that I would not have if I rented? What tips can you offer me? Well, I mean, if you're buying something then you and you're buying it with a mortgage, you could maybe write off mortgage interest. You can usually write off your property taxes. But hey, I love renting. Everyone knows this. I love the idea of renting and being able to uh, have the flexibility of renting. And I sure would say that for you, is, if you've never lived in a place like that, maybe renting is a good starting point. Okay. Eric writes, I love the show and how you keep the answers brief and on topic. You've reminded me that I should establish a relationship with a fee-only planner, not just for planning, 
but for succession in case something were to happen to me. I want to make sure as I make investment decisions that my spouse will have a solid person they can rely upon. Now the question. I live in a smaller town and I found that three local fee-only firms within 10 miles. What are your thoughts on local versus remote for support like this? I'm thinking we should use a local person, but I'm interested in your take. Appreciate all that you and Mark do in sharing your knowledge Regards, Eric. You know what, Eric? I don't think it's a big deal. I think that having somebody that you like is perfect. I don't think it needs to be someone you need to see in person. I mean, haven't we learned that now in terms of Zoom or FaceTime? I don't think it actually has to be someone in your neighborhood. It could be someone three states away. I know plenty of great financial planners who are doing remote business and it's working out incredibly well. So I would expand your net. Okay. I hope that helps and good for you for making that decision. I think it's a great one. Okay. That's it. That is the show. Another fantastic one. Um, Let's see. What do we need to tell you? Well, there's a Federal Reserve meeting going on. We'll tell you that tomorrow. I know tomorrow morning I'm going to say to you, though, the results of the Federal Reserve, we're not expecting much action, but here's what I am expecting. I'm expecting to hear from the Federal Reserve and what their take is on the economy. That's going to be interesting. So thank you for listening. As always, wash your hands, wear your masks, maintain that physical distancing, do something nice for somebody else out there. Anybody, please make that happen. It's what we need to do for one another. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you tomorrow. 